Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Italy are through to the final of Euro 2020, a pulsating penalty shootout triumph over Spain. And who will they play? Will it be England or Denmark? That's what we'll talk about today on this episode of the Ganger Pod. Let's get started. This for Italy to win it, Georginio style. They are in the final. Yeah, hi everyone, David Wiener with you once again as we're into the semi-final stage of the Euros. And boy, did day one deliver. Italy, Spain, one all at the end of extra time, separated by penalties, 4-2 on the night. Michael Bridges, Thomas Sorensen, John Aloisi have been good enough to stick around to chat through all of that today. John, I'll start with you because your phone is going hot, The res- uh, going off hot, the resident Azzurri in the house. How are you feeling? What did you make of oh, just another treat in this Euros for us? Look, we expect it to be a top game and it delivered because both teams played their part. Uh, you know, the Italian side have played... You know, on the front foot most of the time in this tournament, outpossessed the opposition. They showed a different side today, and a lot of that had to do with the way that the Spanish played because they were unbelievable that first half. The Italians uh, were on the back foot uh, for the majority of that first half. Spain actually dominated them, created clear cut chances. But what's let them down in this tournament is missing those opportunities. They weren't ruthless enough, they weren't composed enough when they had those chances. And uh, the Italians took full advantage in the second half. It was nerve wracking for you know someone that comes from Italian heritage you saw the scenes on Ligon Street I'm sure that the scenes around the world with all the Italians there are around the world would have been very similar to that yeah but you got to, you got a feel for the Spanish because I actually I agree with you John I think they they played a, a great game uh, final product was letting them down but what a great future they now have you know to have a young side you know we were you know all talking about Pedri and 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 his performances not just today, but during the tournament. And, uh, you know, I think the press was really impressive, how they, they pinned the Italians down. They, they couldn't play through the lines. They couldn't get the ball forward uh, until probably the last 10 minutes of the first half. And uh, it all just came down to taking those chances, Bridgie. It was uh, Richard Bayless came into the studio on the floor while we were watching it. What was and he doing on the floor? <laughs> well, he didn't trip up. He came on the studio floor. <laughs> and he, I loved his comment. He actually said the Spanish look like a pack of hyenas, the way they went and pressed. I just yeah. thought it was great analysis from, from um, Richard for the first time in his um, career. But it was, it was brilliant <laughs> because as you're watching it, that's what they did. They absolutely suffocated the Italians. And like Tommy said, they couldn't play through. And I just thought the Spanish performance was magnificent, but it comes down to that clinical side and the aspect that they've been questioned about. They haven't got a number nine that is prolific. Well, it's interesting. Normally we sit there and say, where was this game won or lost or what went wrong or what's the... You almost can't because it was so tight. I mean, it goes all the way to the death. But I'll free phrase it in terms of Spain were unbelievable for periods of that first half, but were not clear. So what did Italy do to stay in and then go ahead? They were lucky that the Spanish missed their chances because Ayatabal early on with a beautiful ball from Pedri actually miscontrolled it in front of goals. And then, you know, uh, you had Olmo that had that chance in the first half. And then in the second half, Ayatabal missed a clear header. That, you know, w- that was... 
an amazing chance. Yeah, that was. And, and look, you know, the, the thing that you have to say is that the Italians still defended well. I'm not saying they didn't. But the Spanish, even in that, were able to still create clear-cut chances. It was incredible. The intensity that game was at was the most I've seen in, in this tournament. Mm. Um, it was uh, frightening. It was amazing they could even last 120 minutes because they were playing at that intensity. And we go on about Pedri. At the beginning of the tournament, I said he's a good player. He's one to watch. He's 18 years old. He's going to have a, a, an outstanding tournament. He's got better every game. The bigger the stage, the better he got. Incredible. I haven't seen an 18-year-old that good in midfield ever. I'll show you my highlight reel, John, when I was in the field. That's not bad. <laughs> Did you see what Luis Enrique said about him afterwards, by the way? He's never seen an 18-year-old like that, and that comes that's a big that's he's, a big rap. He actually said he'll be better than Iniesta. Now that's any coach than Iniesta. Uh, that's a that's a big statement. Uh, but I thought the difference also, like Italy recognized the moments. Mm. You know, that first goal they scored comes from you know them defending. Donnarumma realizing the space. Them having a setup, you know, you highlighted John in, in the analysis. You know, they they drift out into two areas, and that first ball, and they're in, and then Chiesa comes up big, and that was the difference. You know, they tactically just got it right and, and knew when to to go forward. See, and I see, I think, and you mentioned that uh, Thomas Mumble on the couch uh, on air that uh, the Spanish know one way and only one way, and they do it that well that it's hard to beat them because when they do it well, you can't stop them. But the Italians recognise we can't actually beat them at that game because they're better that and out-possessing us and, and controlling the game. So the Italians go, well, we have to catch them on the counter-attack. How do we do that? They pulled in Signa on that goal. He went and stood out wide, stood up front while the Spanish had the ball. And the reason why he stands out wide is because it's very hard then to get two against one against him. He's virtually only 1v1. As soon as Donnarumma won the ball, it was out of Verratti. And then he's screaming in Verratti's ear, play in Signa, play in Signa. Once he does... Chiesa, who's nearly sitting on the 18-yard box in his own half, sprints forward to support. And then it's a bit of individual brilliance, you have to say, because the, the finish that he made, I, I questioned the goalkeeper at the start, but I'm thinking he probably couldn't see the ball. And I credit what you're on about there with the counter-attack, but I credit the way the Italians were able to get numbers back behind the ball. We've talked about them being so offensive mm. and quality to watch. When they've controlled games, when they've made opportunities today, they almost accepted that they weren't going to have the possession, got numbers back behind the ball, and mm. I thought defensively they, they were so disciplined, showed resolve, and they ground the game out and they took it to penalties and fair play at them. I don't they they were able to have a plan B and turn it up and it's it, it's a uh, you know what 33 games now unbeaten unbeaten please they deserve games. to be and, in there. And you know we we speak about the Spanish not having a number 9. I don't think the Italians at the moment have got a number 9. But what the Italians have got have got wingers that will step up, yep. you know, not always in the same, uh, you know, consecutive games, but they've got number of wingers. Uh, Baradi was early on in the tournament. They, they had Chiesa in the last few games. They had Insignia. And then you've got midfielders that can score goals. The Spanish do lack that. Yeah, but I think for Italy, I think the, the big, you know, positive was that Immobile didn't play well, didn't hold up the ball well. But then when Belotti came on, I thought he was just more comfortable you know, he could keep it, you know, drop it off to Insigne, to, uh, you know, Berardi, I think, made a difference as well. When he came on, he's more direct, very similar to, to Chiesa. They'll, they'll, they'll drive into the box, they'll have shots. And I think it just, you know, it just changed it for the better for Italy because they were struggling in that first half. I get a sense that you probably would favour playing Belotti in the final. I think so. Insigne just looked a little bit, little bit lost. Um, 
you know, I, immobile. Oh, sorry, yeah, <laughs> immobile. You know, just you know, too many balls bounces off him, uh, and and it, it it just. I know the final. I think will be different. Even you know, Denmark or or England, they'll be more in possession, so potentially that could come into it. But definitely in this game, I think Belotti was a lot more suited for it. You mentioned the streak. September 2018 was the last time this side lost a game, which is quite a f- formidable thing given a couple of months beforehand, they were virtually in the abyss saying, so what's the future of Italian un- football? Undefeated under Mancini. Uh, might not be undefeated under Mancini. I'd have to double check that. Yeah. But September 2018, so he would have only, if there was one, there's not a much window before that for it to be a defeat. But I love, I just want to go back to what you said about the plan B. That image of Donnarumma getting that ball and just knowing I've got to get out here and we're going to get them on the counter-attack. For me, that was like, that's a team that knew exactly when their moment was going to come. Did, did you see when he threw it? If you see, if you slow down the footage, if I have it of the high the vision. The tactical view up above. He's he's actually in front of five defenders. Yeah. He's outside the box. He's 10 metres outside the box. Going, Verratti, go. He threw go. the ball out from his goal area and then, like you see, he made a 15-metre dash. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah, but that's that's a you know that's an, a keeper that, that recognises... The situation recognizes the moment and encourages the player. Yeah, you know, you could you could more or less hear it through the TV how he was he was nearly running past Verratti. He's like bloody go, <laughs> and um, uh, you know, and as a goalkeeper, Dave, you know, uh, you know, we have the best view in the house. Donnarumma could eat me for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but as a goalkeeper, you have the best view in the house. Sometimes you see things um, because you you know you can you see, see the, the whole picture, page. Yeah. Uh, and he saw that. So so you've got to give him a, a lot yeah. of credit for recognising it. I've got to say, Donnarumma would eat you in one bite, but he would struggle <laughs> with your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> He'd eat me up and then have to spit me out at the same time. <laughs> oh, no, we've got three more episodes to go, and you can absolutely tell. Um, Bonucci, Chiellini, we, we've spoken so much this tournament about the Italian uh, forward, forward thinking, getting on the front foot, playing brilliant football. Today was a day... For the old guard, hugely tested, but my goodness, they loved it and, and they stood up. Yeah, they were hugely tested though. They still got opened up a couple of times, you know, on the goal. I think what the um, the Spanish did well, that uh, by starting Danny Olmo as that nine, false nine, he would drop back in and, and you could see Bonucci, do I go out? Do I go with him? And when he did go with him, they'll just play little flicks around the corner and they combined really well. And then because he's that different player to Marathi, he's so like small and agile and be able to turn him, they struggled a little bit, the, the Italians. They but- they were caught ball watching for the Maratta goal. Uh, yeah. Chiellini followed the ball, the mm. pass. He didn't follow the man. But I thought it was disrespectful. And um, the commentator... On yeah, saying they're showing their age. Yeah, he Alan said, oh, Smith. these yeah. two are showing their age. They're getting caught out. Hang on a minute. Yeah. They were massively examined by, yeah. you know, the false nine. Interestingly, it saw that um, Enrique said after the game that he chose to go with Olmo as the sort of the false nine after watching the two centre-backs boss Lukaku yes. in the previous game. Yeah. So it's just, it, I thought it was, even though they got tested, it was in the end, you know, stood tall for, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, and I saw, you know, the, there's always a little bit of mind games in that because they would have played against Morata in Italy. Yeah. You know, so they, they know him inside out. It's easier for defenders to play against a more static player because, yeah. you know, you can always, like, one, one will have him, another one, man can just cover. But when you have a player that drifts, as you say, you know, you, you mentioned John, drifts deep, do you go with him? You know what? What do you do? Uh, and and they struggled a few times, and I think that just 
added a little bit to their sort of insecurity to, at, at times. And what happened was because Jorginho sometimes was getting sucked out onto Pedri, mm. and so they were leaving that hole in there, you know, that, that space in there for the ball to be played. And Laporte and Eric Garcia are good enough to break through that line with that pass. And you saw it on the goal when Morata came in. He dropped into that mm. that sort of half position. They didn't follow him. When they did come out to him, then it was too late because he was able to turn and then play that one-two. That's what he wanted. He wanted to drag him out in that situation. It was great play. Look, I can't speak highly enough of the way the Spanish played this morning and then the Italians showing away how to win a game even when they don't dominate. Gino is a really good uh, character for that. Is Jorginho. I mean, what a way to step up and and boss your your match winning penalty at the end like he's never going to miss that but actually he's been amazing this tournament Mauricio Sarri he's come into the game said he's a Ballon d'Or contender today was probably the most the least influence he's had with the ball in a tournament but he recovered the ball more than anyone has in the in the Euros so far and I thought it's a really nice example of the way Italy had to adjust and showed that they actually can yeah, incredible. And he probably didn't um, win the ball off for of Pedri because didn't he make a hundred percent pass uh, completion over ninety, rate minutes. Over 90 minutes? It was it's frightening, and and it's not only he touched the ball once or twice. He's actually going forward and playing the balls forward, and and those incisive passes as well. Just uh, a, a great joy to watch. But. Uh, yeah, go. I'm trying to find a stat on Jorginho and I can't find it. It's something to do with since he's been at Chelsea, been involved in the final and the national squad. It's yeah, every final. Everything, yeah. every yeah. final. I think he's Ballon d'Or. Yeah, but... Oh, if, you if, know, it, but if Italy win it... That's a big call, Ballon d'Or. Dave wants him to be Ballon d'Or. Sari wants him to be Ballon d'Or. Now you're calling for Ballon d'Or. All eh? day long. I'm well, just channeling yeah. mine and Maurizio so, Sari. Yeah, all day long. What about like a month ago, everyone was raving about Kante? You know what? What's happened to Kante now? So, so no, he didn't have a good Euros. Pogba stole the shine. Uh, stole the shine light. <laughs> There's a good one for you. Stole the limelight off him, I, I believe. And then Jorginho just yeah breaks everything down at the heart of everything for. And those two playing the same team. Yeah, In Chelsea. That's frightening. Well, have a look at the Chelsea. Hey, you know what is frightening? The amount of players we were chatting Chelsea, about man. Chelsea and Manchester City that have been involved in the semi-finals of the Euros. Oh, tomorrow even more. Look, the Jorginho thing is not a wild shout because. Um, he was incredible once Thomas Tuchel came in at Chelsea. And you look at now and you go, you know, everyone's talking about Kevin De Bruyne and Gola Kante. They probably can't yeah. now. Yeah. Lionel Messi, we'll see what happens at the Copa America. Yeah, Lewandowski had, had a great season. He's a shout too. Um, but if Jorginho wins the Champions League and he's influential in Italy going through, he's going to be in the conversation. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a wild, wild shout. Not at all. I'm just backing up. That's not, not complete. Complete madness from you there, Bridget. Nah, nah, uh, nice. I think it's Chelsea favouritism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Wiener. I'm with you, mate. Uh, Federico Chiesa. Um, you played with his old man, John? Oh, no, I didn't play with him. I played against, played him. So against w- him. When I went to Cremonese, he just left and went on to bigger and better things. John only ever saw the back of his head because <laughs> he was chasing him. He, he was... Um, he, he was uh, more of a goal scorer than Chiesa, than this Chiesa. His dad was uh, played at Sampdoria, scored a lot of goals there at Sampdoria. He was more of a nine. Where this Chiesa... Whoa. Every time he gets the ball, something happens. He's he's actually very positive. As soon as he faces someone one v one, he beats him. As soon as he gets a half a yard in, he gets a shot in. Um, you know that goal that he, he finished, and also the chance just before we're going. The Italians weren't shooting enough in the first half mm. when they had that half op- opportunity. Barella in the first half, yeah. but uh, Chiesa, he, he doesn't need to be asked twice. You scared me and Tommy in the studio because as soon as Chiesa got the ball, Johnny went, "He'll shoot, he'll shoot," <laughs> and we were like, "What? <laughs> Hang on a minute!" He got very carried away. But he was absolutely spot on. 
Yeah, it, he, he was perfect. Tested the goalkeeper game. first with a shot that was saved, and then his second one where he delivered yeah. a superb goal. And he's worked his way into the squad. Let's not forget that he was on the bench for the first couple of games. He's worked his way in. He, I thought he, he's the perfect player for this kind of scenario because any half chance they did get on the break, boom, and he cashed in on it. Yeah, and then we forget actually a couple of games he came on, he didn't make much of a difference until the last couple of games. And, and uh, you know, fantastic. You know, that's the squad. You know, Berardi looked really good early on. I think he was one of the, the best players. He leaves in on the bench, and that's great management. And then Berardi came on today, made a difference as well. I thought, you know, those players that drive, ask questions of centre halves, you know, you know, that's exciting to watch, but it's also difficult to deal with. Kiers has really stood up when needed. Mm. Uh, against yeah. Austria, yeah. he scored, and it's at Wembley. And and what a... They've scored three goals as a family at Wembley, by the way. Yeah, well, uh, when did his old man I can't Wembley? give you the year, okay. but he apparently did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> John's testing you today. <laughs> you've come out with two stats and he's come back at you and you've gone, I don't know, John. <laughs> Sorted out, Dave. Yeah. But um, what I will say is that they'll give him confidence in the final, whoever he's playing against, and just how humble he is when he's getting interviewed after the game he's like a little kid I'm just loving it I, I can't express it how I feel because this is unbelievable this is you know we've got a great squad yet yeah, and he, he gave credit to the Spanish I know it's easy to do when you win but he was saying they are a top side and they were brilliant today we had to really dig deep well I think I've just read Benucci's comment as well the defender he said that is the hardest game of my career Today, yeah. there you go. That's frightening. It, it, does that remind you of Barcelona when they were at the top of their game at Wembley? You know, we're opening up teams. They just didn't have Lionel Messi to put the ball in the back. John, of the I played against Barcelona at the Camp Nou when they had Rivaldo, Clivert, Koku, De Boer, Reitziger. I didn't touch the ball. None did. Nor did any of my other Leeds United teammates. It was just total football. So, so now I, you know how Benucci felt. I just looked at the scoreboard and saw four 0 and thought, "Shit, we better get, <laughs> we better try and get out of here light." So Spain. I mean, you, you you mentioned did it remind you of Barcelona? It reminds you of the what Enrique is doing is reminding me of what he did evolving Barcelona and we mentioned it and, and I think even in Spain the expectations weren't that we're going to go on and win it so for him to take them to the final four so close to the final I think is an extraordinary achievement a sign of the manager that you've been picking up the whole tournament John but rightly so and probably augurs quite nicely for their future it does it they were probably a tournament short that we spoke about. That they're probably just the, you know with those young players that they still need to gain experience. They would have gained so much through this tournament because don't forget the pressure was on them. The first two games they only got draws, mm-hmm. so they needed to win that last game, and they got through that. And I, I think that uh, that will hold them in good stead. And I still think they're just. Probably, uh, I know that uh, Morata ended up scoring a couple of goals. Uh, he ended up scoring three, but I still think they're a striker short because the amount of opportunities they create, if they have a, a top striker, can you imagine, you know, had someone similar of the ilk of Kane up top? That, that'll be killing everyone. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, he's just gone top a top scorer with six goals in European competition for Spain, overtaking Torres um, with the five. So that's credit for him, but I agree with you. They've got somebody very special. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I've got a question for you two boys. 
Before penalties, they had the coin toss. Chiellini and Alaba. Did you? What did you make of it? Because there's massive things that you know the Spanish press. There's massive things. Seeing Chiellini give him a little, a little tap on the um, on the chin, yeah. and he pushed him as well. They were having a bit of a laugh and a joke. We don't know what's gone down, but the media in Spain are saying that we were done and dusted and beaten there because he how much he allowed him to be got at Alaba. Well, well, Alaba didn't take a penalty, so that uh, that's that was a positive for him because he couldn't get criticised for that. But I. I'm hearing that they weren't 100% sure who won the coin toss. And, and so, they had to redo it. And, and so that, that was the argument, joking around, that's what it was about. And I think that's why, because anyone who wins the coin toss, nine times out of ten, except uh, Man United uh, in the Europa League, will go first. They will, because you, you, your percentages are much higher if you go first in a penalty shootout. So I think that's what the whole discussion was about. And I think that's what the Spanish press is saying because you don't know whether uh, Jordi Alba after the game goes, we won the coin toss. Mm. What, we don't know what happened. Mm. So I, I'm not sure. But also, I, I love the body language of, of Kalini. Yeah. Like he was joking around. You know, he was he was upbeat. He looked full of energy. Um, and I don't know if he was trying to send a message uh, to to his teammates to to, to Alba that that actually Alba you know, looked like he crumbled and, and yeah, you know, like, like, we, like oh, we've been here before. Yeah. We're comfortable. You know, we're confident. Yeah, this is just a like a joke to yeah. us. Um, and. You know, who knows? It rubs. Well, does it rub off? Like it, it's oh, surely but, it does. Yeah, but if you see that, and 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 again, we're reading too much into it because they lost a penalty shootout. Last penalty shootout they won. Um, no one's ever won two penalty shootouts at a Euro anyway. So you know, the, the, it was stacked against Spain. But if you see in the tunnel before they're going out, Chiellini's always laughing and joking and and like making funny faces at his teammates and whatever. And you saw the Spanish players, and they were so focused and they were ready for that game. And who came out firing? It was Spain. It, it doesn't, you know, sometimes it doesn't mean anything. Well, speaking of body language, what do we make of, I mean, Danny Elmo wasn't, didn't, what, not great in setting the tone. I know Locatelli missed before him, but then Morata. I mean, we have to talk about it. And it's, it's just amazing how football rolls out storylines because it's, it, you just could not sum up Spain and you could not sum up Morata more than in that moment. I feel from, it's a, it's been a roller coaster tournament. He's had the pressure from the media. Uh, Enrique backed him. We saw him score a goal. He He's had, had the, the pressure from uh, supporters and social uh, yeah, media. The social media and, and having a go at his on family. His family. Mm. So you think now, like he, he wasn't selected today. That was obviously tactical. He comes on and he scores a goal. Mm. So back again. He's on the high of the mm. roller coaster. And then you go to penalties and he's back down. I, I really I, felt from today. I, I don't think he should have taken a penalty. No, he's already I'll missed go one. as far as to say that I can't see Morata in the near future going back to Spain and playing. Because I think it would just be too hard for him mentally and too hard for his family. I think that he needs to stay in Italy and just stay away from Spain because his family will cop a lot of criticism. It's unfair. It is unfair. Yeah. The only thing is, Bridgie, you're a striker and, and you would have loved to take them penalties because it would have got your stats up a little bit higher. And I'm not saying in this <laughs> sense here, but, but once you miss a penalty... You know, as a striker, you need to show courage and go, I'm taking the next one. You know, we've seen Messi miss a penalty and the next one he takes. You know, he doesn't back away from that. So if he did back away from it, his teammates would have gone, we don't trust you in the future because you're a little bit, you know, when the going gets tough, you haven't got the, you know, the, the guts, kahunas to, to stand up. But you know what I mean, Thomas? I, I'm, I'm of that belief. He he needed to step up to, to gain the trust of his teammates. Yeah, but... It's if a fine. I, it's, it is it's a, a fine, fine line. line. Also, from the manager, you've been a manager because you've got a player there, you know, who 
probably he, he's put his hands up and, and you know the stature and you know all those things. Do, do you have the guts to then say, no, you're not taking mm. one? I'm protecting you or I don't believe in Plus you? Plus he scored in normal time. But, yeah, but but I'll, I'll just go into the head of the goalkeeper because yeah. Donnarumma um, makes a great read because that is one thing I'll criticise Morata for. Confidence and no confidence. That the technique of he opened his body as early as I've ever seen anyone open it. So you're saying he's read this? So yeah. Been read. You know, like you, you, as a goalkeeper, you read a lot of things. You know, ball placement, body language, body position. But as he runs up to the ball, after his first step, he start he starts to open his body up, and and by doing that, it's I'll say ninety five percent chance that he'll go. Not many players can open the body and then still drag it the other way. So already there, if Donnarumma has seen that, you know, it's a given, like, unless he puts it in the top corner. So tech, like from a technique point of view, that's poor from and, Morata. So, so he, you know, so... And, and you know that uh, Morata took a penalty earlier on in the tournament, mm. missed. Mm. So you're thinking they would see his run-up. They would know his run-up from his time in Italy because he would have taken a few penalties over there. And and what the goalkeepers now, and especially the goalkeeper coaches and, and the analysts and that, they will study not only what's their strongest side, but does their run-up change when they're going one side? Does their you know body shape change when they're going to one side? So there's, there's a lot of detail in it. It's not he just guessed the right side. No, no, no. He would have seen his run-up, his body shape, the way he's opening up. And that's another thing that uh, if you see Ornay Simon, he guessed right on, I think, three occasions the right way. Saved uh, one and was unlucky on a couple. But he guessed right because of the run-up. And so there are things that it makes it harder for a penalty taker these days because they're studied so much more and they're... Well, <laughs> and then your man steps up from Chelsea, Jorginho, and just oh. waits and waits and Bl- waits. Blows that theory out the window. Oh, keep it a dive, and then he goes, I'm going that way. Yeah. He's, he's incredible. But that's a different sort of penalty because because he's actually looking at the keeper and he's going, you move one way, I'm going the other way. You don't move, I'll put it hard enough into the bottom yeah. corner. Tiago did the same. But he didn't ch- – that's what uh, Jorginho's done all the yeah, time well. with Chelsea. And it, it's just so confident that even in that moment, he didn't look phased, and he just allowed his natural – penalty to come through he could be smoking one of Murchasari's cigarettes on the way to putting <laughs> that away don't worry about that yeah but you know again that's what penalty shootouts is you'll have those players and, and you want them to go last and, and uh, you know because all like you said Dave all the preparation as a goalkeeper goes out the window when you got a player who's just watching you you know he's just looking at your movement because then it becomes a cat and mouse game and, and to be fair most of the time as a goalkeeper you would you you would try to move a little bit early to gain a little bit of momentum and uh, and when you got a player who can who, who's that calm under under that amount of pressure you just got to take your hat off it's like the old western movies where you'd have to stand <laughs> off with the guns and who's going to draw from the satchel first and you you're waiting for the first person to make the move brilliant it's br- it's brilliant theater just one more on Murata and and I'm just keen to get an insight into the psychology of it because Luis Enrique has played him unbelievably this tournament and even pulling him out of the 11 today, it was clearly tactical. It was clear, He wasn't dropped. It was clearly tactical. He obviously had him in a good enough headspace to come on and completely change the game. As a striker at that point, guys, isn't it all in your favour to go on and convert that penalty? Like You talk about him not being able to go back to Spain now. I'm just trying to work out the fallout for Morata as a player because every time he seems to get two steps ahead, something keeps pulling him back. 
Yeah, there must be something in his headspace because he actually came on and did well. He, he scored a goal. He looked calm in front of goal. Um, you know, he looked really composed. And, and you're thinking, he must have gone into the penalty shootout going, oh, you know what, I feel good today. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be my day. It's going to be my day. But then it also depends on the situation of the penalty shootout. Maybe if that was for the winning penalty or it was a penalty that didn't mean as much, if it was the first penalty, maybe he might have been. But because he knew that if I miss this and they score, we're out. You know, that that could play on his mind. You don't know because we're not in his head, but uh, there are things that do go through players' minds when they're, they're stepping up for penalty He's going to need somebody to help him out and get inside his head, sports psychologist or somebody. I mean that in the nicest possible way. Um, because that, with the abuse that his family have suffered, that he suffered on social media, and then this just over the top, it, it's going to take a lot of mental strength. And he, like I say, I think Enrique handled him fantastically early on in this tournament, as well as right through till the end there. But he's going to need a lot of help after. Yeah, and I, th- I think as as players, you can have those demons that sort of just hides in the back, and and you think they're not there, and then when you're actually walking up towards the, the penalty spot, you actually, they start to then, suddenly the doubt comes in. Mm. The, you know, all those things, what if I miss? And, and if you start to have those thoughts, oh, if you can't, keep them, no. you can't keep them away. And, and it seems maybe that he has the, those thoughts a little bit mm. and that they come back you, to haunt him yeah. in certain situations. When you've got time to think, and, yeah. and you have got that little bit of doubt in your mind, it, it, it's a lot worse. So that walk from the halfway line to the penalty spot is quite far, yeah. so it can actually hurt you. I've still got gremlins. Everybody has. I've, I've got one that sits on my shoulder and whispers in my ear. He's called Gary, and he just says, you know, when he gives that little bit of doubt in your head, it's it's horrible. They're all, Gary? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, call, I name it Gary after Gary Van Egmont because he was the gremlin on my side at the Jets, yeah. So I've, I've nicknamed my the gremlins when they talk to me about him. So, yeah. I don't mean to be uh, cliche and bring it back uh, to, you know, <laughs> but um, you've said many times, John, that when you had 50 metres to walk up, the only thing you thought about was, I'm going to score the goal that's going to get us to walk up. And you almost have to be that focused. And it's, it's really all between the ears at that point as much as any technique. Yeah, I think it's all about the process then. It's like with golf because you've got a lot, and I'm not good at golf, but I've read you know, about uh, how they, they get themselves prepared for a swing. It's all about the process of the swing and, and actually you know, the way that they'll do it. It's the same with, with a penalty because you've got more time to think. Sometimes when you're, you're playing on the field, you've got half a second. It, it's, it's instinct. It, it becomes you know, uh, natural because... Because you, you do it every day, but a penalty, you you actually have to think about it. So you try and go back to the process. All right, um, if I've got a, a strong side and I practice those penalties the day before, you know about your run up, about the way you you know you're striking the ball, about you know everything like that, and then it becomes you're not thinking about the negative side. You're thinking about oh, I know if I do that, I'll score. Yeah, actually, you don't. I totally think, but we actually had a kicking coach, so we worked with Johnny Wilkinson, the the rugby player, and and he came to Sunderland at, at one point and and taught us the kicking motion, and he actually just boiled it down to, you know, a, a, a sort of a succession of body movements and a focus on a certain point, and then you know repeating that in your head, and and that's the same. So like you you know the motion, you can you know we can all strike the ball. 
but it actually to to have that focus at the right time. And then Sunderland went on to miss ten penalties because they <laughs> kicked them all over the ball like Johnny Wilkinson did. No, no, no. But there was a the goalkeeper, say eh? you know. We, 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 you know, I, I think I hit you probably like eighty yards down you the did, field. Tommy, you so it worked, it worked wonders. That was in the pre- Premier League, a ninety yard pass to me. Yeah, yeah, Tommy, right. yeah, I have to go to the park with you. And I, yeah, you might help me get my goal kick out of the penalty box. That might be really. Oh, oh Dave, Dave, you know, touch the bar out of the penalty box. It's big ask, say. <laughs> Dave used to play short goal kicks all the time. <laughs> he loves the new rule. Just roll it. You, you'd be good in goal in Sabutio. <laughs> Fantastic. No, 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 no. Um, gents, last word on Spain. To get to, to get the tone back into the podcast, I'm just going to go to a fellow journalist, the Athletics Dermot Corrigan. And I, I loved a phrase he used when we spoke to him a bit earlier today. And he said that this was a heroic failure for Spain and explained how it will be judged over in Spain. Yeah, Spain did come, come really, really close in, in the end. It was such a, another such a dramatic night. And yeah, I think it, it will be viewed as a, as a heroic failure. Um, among Spanish fans and pundits. At the start of the tournament, expectations were not very high in Spain. This wasn't seen as a a, a classic Nash, Spain national team. A lot of maybe veteran players maybe passed the, their best and younger players, the Spanish general public didn't know that well. Um, after the first couple of games, their team were being whistled. You know, Morata was going through his, his psychodrama. But the way they came together, beat Slovakia 5-0, then the fantastic game against Croatia, then the penalties against Switzerland, and then to come up this close against an Italy team who, you know, went into the game as favourites, but Spain were were superior to them. I think they were the better team, especially over the the ninety minutes, and could have won the game. So, it will be seen as um, as so close, maybe a missed opportunity for Spain, but to be no no criticism of Luis Enrique or his team for for how they've gone. Yeah. So final word, guys, to wrap this up on Spain, where I said it's a match. It was a match stick between it. You couldn't split them. They went out brilliantly. The future is bright. Pedri is going to hold them up for years to come. Let's sum up this tournament. What did we learn about Spain, and what does the future hold for them? You know, I think they can take, like we talked about, a lot out of this tournament. They show great character. You know, we can talk about they could have folded against Croatia. Croatia came back. They stood firm. They turned that game around after you know, actually throwing it away. Um, and, and again, they got young, promising players and they know what they need. I, I think they co- I think that they know we need someone, uh, we need to finish our chances. How do we do that? How do we find a player? You know, do we change a few things in our system going into the World Cup next year? And, uh, you, know, you know, again, a lot of positives. For me, World Cup semi-finalists. Yep. World Cup semi-finalists. Yep. So really, they're going out where they ended up out this tournament. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? They'll they'll make it's it's very positive. And in Spain, they'll look at as, this as a positive. The only thing that I will say that these players that play in those front positions, and I'm talking about the wider players, need to play regular football to start giving them confidence in scoring a lot of goals because uh, Daniel Almo, he does play regular football but he hasn't got a lot of goals for RB Leipzig because he sort of plays a lot of different positions Um, and that's the same with Ferran Torres he scored a few goals but he's not playing on a regular basis I think that's what hurt them a little bit because they haven't really got in that front three players that are regularly scoring and playing each week whereas you look at Chiesa Chiesa was one of the, uh, Juventus's best players this season. Berardi, one of uh, Swazolo's best players. You know, Insignia, he had the best season he's had at Napoli. That does help when you go into a major tournament. If you got that with the way they play, 
they could actually go ahead and win the World Cup. I th- I, th- I think uh, Olmo had something like either the most chances created or the most shots without scoring in the tournament. He had the most assists of the players left in the tournament, but that was when they just needed that little bit of composure. They didn't have it. Now, it would be remiss of us not to wrap up this game without paying tribute to Roberto Mancini once again and what he has done. And I'll throw one at you just to sum that up today. We said coming into the game they will miss Spinazzola, but Emerson Palmieri will not reduce them to a certain extent, he will still be able to step in and fill a void. And whilst there were moments today we thought, oh, if Spinazzola was there, what might have happened? But Emerson did a job for his squad. Mancini absolutely has 26 players that can all step in. Yeah, definitely. I think there was maybe one or two moments. The the third choice keeper we're not sure about yet. Everyone else has played. (laughs) (laughs) True. I'm I'm looking at moments in that game. Spinazzola would have been up and down on a regular basis. There was moments where Emerson didn't, and it was very few and far between. But everything that they linked up um, in the same style. Was Insigne again working with him? And Emerson, I thought, got in several times. He hit the crossbar. So for me, that is a huge tick. They've got it. He's come in. Big, big, you know, there was big um, pressure on his shoulder as well because Spinazzola had been magnificent. And then after the game, what I loved is the the, yeah. the shirt. Spinazzola was, shirt was there. They were sending a message back to him and that comes with culture and that's Mancini. And I think what Machini has done really well, he, he's built a squad with always a like-for-like. Like. So the team always plays the same, mm. but he's got a player. So obviously, it's been a solo attacking. He's got Emerson, who's very, very similar. So all positions, you don't have to change the way you play because you've got you know, different players. So he hasn't maybe picked on paper the 26 best players in Italy. He's, he's, he's picked the players that fits that system that, yeah, again, makes the best squad. And I, I think that's credit to him. I, I think he's been a little bit unlucky in that fullback position as well because Florenzi got injured at, in the first game of the tournament and now Spinazzola because what happened with Di Lorenzo, who I thought was brilliant. He was amazing today. Defensively, he was outstanding. But when uh, Emerson had to come off because he hasn't played a lot of football, he shifted him over to the left and he put Toloi at right back. And Toloi's a, a central defender. So it loses it a little bit because they've got two injuries in those positions. But uh, in, in saying that, uh, Emerson was still very good today considering he hasn't played a lot of football this season mm. and hopefully... Um, Hopefully he recovers in time for the final. So, Delzuri, into the final. Who will they play? England or Denmark? John, do you need to move positions? Yeah, do you want me to move Come in here? here? Because here like, Bridgie had a little power nap before. He still looks tired, but now he's going to liven up. He's going to be he's up and about. Like, I'm ready for this. It's coming home. It's coming. <laughs> well, you know what annoyed me today at Wembley? I heard everybody singing, it's coming home, and I got all excited. But then they were adding on the end. It's coming home. It's coming home. To Rome, and that really hurt me. <laughs> That's oh, a very it's nice tune. It's, it's coming Rome. It's coming right. So, <laughs> it's all right. Coming Rome. Case for England, Bridgie. Case for uh, Denmark, Thomas. Referee John Aloisi. Let's go. England are able to play two different systems as they have shown the four-three-three or the three defenders with the wing backs on. They did it against Germany. They got over a huge, huge psychological disadvantage over the years. We beat Germany. We got through. We have got the home tie at Wembley. We've got 60,000 fans in there. Harry Kane is scoring goals again. Oh, there you oh. go. Fantastic. Oh, okay. So you bad. didn't say what they're going to do. They're going <laughs> to smash Denmark 3-0. <laughs> <laughs> he said what? <laughs> yeah, you're right there, Dave. That's the most outrageous I've ever heard. Everything was good up until the 3-0. Um, no, but well, again, but he did put that on his predictor. He put three nah, nil. Yeah, but then I, I criticized and he changed to six nil. <laughs> that, that's when I went off the rails. 
That's when I saw Tommy clench his fist like I used to at Sunderland and I, I, I backed off a little bit. So just before we go on to uh, Thomas's uh, verdict on the whole outcome, so Bridgie cooked us salmon last night. It was beautiful. We didn't put any poison in there, but I'm scared that Thomas might get food tonight. <laughs> He's got the last word. <laughs> and actually put a little bit in Bridgie's... It's his turn, isn't it? It's your turn to cook. I'm not coming. I'm going to get a takeaway. <laughs> yeah, bring your own. Yeah, bring your own. You're not invited anyway. <laughs> Yeah, no, again, uh, it's been a, a fantastic story from, from where Denmark uh, were in the first game and everything that happened there. Um, and, and again, I, I came into this tournament with, with expectations because the Denmark has a gotten, you know, they weren't, you know... Uh, Who were your dark uh, horses of this tournament? It was Denmark. Uh, and that was oh, being realistic. was Denmark as well because I followed you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you should. Um, but, uh, you know, they've, they've got good quality players. They've got a good squad. Uh you know a lot of talent at big big clubs, so they they know how to play in these big games. So it's that's not a worry for me. Um, the worry is if Denmark gets stretched, um, you know maybe an injury um, and have to go go deep into the bench in extra time um, because England got a better squad. Like we, you know, I can't get around that. And uh, you know, I, I, but I'm quietly confident Denmark can take it all away. And history will say. You know that Denmark actually doing pretty well against England. So, um, you know, I think the three nil you can pack that away, um, and I think it could go to extra time. And then, you know, um, uh, that's where my prediction stops because uh, you I've know, just had a look at your, I've just had a look at your Twitter feed, and I've seen that you've just posted something out there saying "good on you," and it was Casper Schmeichel. Oh, well, let's, have, let's, let's have a listen to what Casper Schmeichel had to say. Let's have a listen to what he had to say in his pre-match press conference. What would it mean to you guys to stop it coming home? Tomorrow night. Has it ever been home? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Have you ever won it? <laughs> 66, it was home. <laughs> well, was that not the World Cup? Um, to be honest, I haven't given any thought to what it would mean to stop England more than what it would do for Denmark. Yeah. It's what it would do for our country back home. Oh, he's absolutely right. <laughs> They've never won it. Why is it coming home? Because well, what's it coming home to? <laughs> this is the... Biggest lie ever told. <laughs> Do you know what it is? I can't argue because Casper Schmeichel has nailed it. Let's, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> He's nailed it. The, the worry thing is, I've got it's definitely this one nil. <laughs> it's definitely one nil. Like we're, we're we're taking a little lead into the game, but hey, it's still got to be decided on the pitch, and uh, it's going to be one hell of, one hell of a battle. Cannot wait to see Harry Kane knock one past him and just run off and give him a little bit of it. <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. All right, okay. <laughs> just escalated the uh, the rating on this episode of the Gaga. But what it does show me is they will not fear anything because Casper Michael's been playing with and amongst these guys for his whole career. So over to the referee, Mr. Aloisi, who wins the debate, and also in a in a in a serious way to end it, does Southgate stick to what worked against Ukraine or does he change formation because that could define the whole define the whole game I actually think he could change formation I think he might go to a 3-4-3 like he played against Germany I think it's to nullify the attributes of the, the Danes which is their wing backs Mailer has been 
one of the best players, if not the best player for Denmark in this tournament. It, a lot of the uh, the opportunities, he scored two goals from a wing-back position. He set up goals. He's probably got the best cross in the tournament so far. Um, so I think that uh, Southgate will might play that way. And that way there, Shaw can actually get a little bit higher. In, and, and if he's higher, I would like to see Grealish play alongside in that area. Sterling on the other side. Big and talk play. Grealish is coming back in. Yeah, and so I actually think that he'll go that way. I think that's that's his in his mindset and I, I look the the difference is going to be and listening to them too and I agree with both of them oh. I, I, I think that um, <laughs> no 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 but what I I did think that starting 11s I think is going to be very even and very tight I think the game will be won with the substitutes because they have better a better squad and I'm talking about England and I say Denmark have some good players to come in but their squad is not as deep as England and I think potentially if I have to, to look at weaknesses in, in a Danish team it, it it could potentially be a little bit like the Spanish problem They Denmark play well but you know we don't have a prolific striker you know Yusuf Paulsen has done well if he'll start Dolberg has, looked, yeah. has looked sharp yeah. um, but again you know, can we create those chances? And if England play with three at the back, can they find space among three very strong centre-halves? Tommy, we haven't got enough time in the podcast to go through of all of Denmark's um, um, disadvantages or whatever you call them. What was it again? Weaknesses. Weaknesses, yeah. We haven't got time, so we'll have to wrap it up quickly. <laughs> okay. You can't gonna, even mention one. This is going to be a long day, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> This is going to be a long day. Um, uh, you know what? It's going to be fun, <laughs> but it's going to get annoying. I just got the desk there again. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm just letting it simmer. Just let it breathe. Oh. Let it breathe. There, you but, know what? But, so he had 1-0 in that debate. He's got 1-1 because he's wearing the Danish top, the Denmark national team top, on the couch tomorrow. And Bridgie's shitting himself. He doesn't want to wear it. Oh, because I can't. I've never... Why? I Why? Worn, I haven't worn it all proud, tournament. Man. I, no, I don't want to jinx it. I'm very, jinx? very... Um, you can't do anything from here. No. You've worn the same underwear all tournament, <laughs> <Yeah>. Bridgie. <laughs> you haven't changed that, so surely you can... Well, you can make some change. All right, do you want to know the honest truth? I tried it on. It's very, very tight. <laughs> All right, it doesn't hey, fit, Dave. At least we got to the like, we got to the bottom. Of it lockdown's you know. kicking in, and I put it on. It looked like a crop top, and my belly was hanging out the bottom. Well, and that, I thought, I'm not going on isn't set. Isn't that, that. Normie, normal for up in Newcastle? I look like a proper proper Englishman in it. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to pick up from that's that. That's the truth. Oh, very good. I thought it was just such a fashionista. You didn't want to leave your jacket behind. No, but no, no, no. It was well very done. tight. We get the truth eventually on the Gangapod. You guys have me so excited for tomorrow because the thought of, you mentioned Jack Grealish, Mason Mount, what does Southgate do? Even I'm excited just for the pre-game show just to see what actually happens there. Can I be, give an honest assumption just to say Denmark have won the last, the last match in the Nations League, which was in 2020. The one before that was a draw nil nil. So going into this, the last one England one was two thousand fourteen. I've said that was one nil. So forget about all the past results. The this is only a year ago. Southgate said this is a very good team. Denmark are a very good team. They can't be underestimated. It is going to be one hell of a game. Mm. And I like I say, if I was a neutral looking at it, you can't you can't pick it. If you if you really look hard at the team and the way Denmark play, the players they have in the 11 and the past results, this is no easy feat for England. I'm a, I am worried, but I'm going with the heart. Do you know what? This tournament has delivered. This tournament has delivered, I think we've now had, what, 49 games? One dud? Tomorrow is going to be just as good <laughs> Which as Which one today. was that dud? Was it Sweden-Slovakia, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Two hours of my life, I won't get back. <laughs> 
<laughs> Brilliant. Guys, before I don't know, I don't know what the next turn is going to be on this podcast. So we're going to end it there. You guys are, I want to say you're going to get- I'll tell you, Dave, there'll be one person crying on this podcast <laughs> if, we keep, if we keep going. <laughs> That's for sure. Or there'll be one person not on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I do have to say is that um, no matter what, you're both winners- you, oh, thank you, you, John. Oh, oh. That is not true. If England go out at this point, they are not winners. John, John, we're not encouraging participation medals here. You're all winners. Yeah, it's, not, it's not hungry versus Francie, John. But it's, it's the semi-finals of the Euros. Say, this is the bro love that's going on because we're in lockdown, we're in the hotel, spending so much time with these guys. I never had a brother. I was an only child, maybe... Yeah, maybe that's why I've got is issues. That, is that why you got but to, to spend time with these two is just for such a long time in the studio, going back to, you know, playing board games and looking after each other and, and cooking for each other. It's been brilliant. I've really enjoyed it. So there you go. Yeah, How about the oh, feels to end it. off? Thank uh, you. You guys, are just you just want this to keep going because the longer no. we talk, the less time we have to spend together in the hotel afterwards. <laughs> All right, guys, go get some rest. Bridgie, Thomas, John, so much fun as always. I can't believe we've only got two, two more of these to come for the season, but we will make the most of it. So thanks so much for your time today, and we will do it all again tomorrow. On air, 4.30. Correct, yes, 4.30 a.m., yes. Can't wait for it. To everyone out there, I hope you enjoyed this podcast like we've done throughout the tournament. And until the next episode of The Gagging Pod, as ever, enjoy your football. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.